We're continuing along with the chronological life of Jesus, and uh, today we're going we're gonna to see this portion where Jesus feeds the 5,000. So you may recall last time we talked about, about the beheading of John the Baptist, and that was a little statement that was put into the Gospel according to Luke. So remember, Luke is our outline of the life of Jesus because that's the only chronological Gospel. It says it's chronological. So we follow that. And, and, uh, and then we look in, in other Gospels, and we covered the, the beheading of John. Just before that, Jesus had sent out the twelve. He was training them now. He sent them out. They're just about to return, and that's where we pick it up today. So the twelve are returning from their first outing on their own, where he sent them out in, in uh, uh, six groups of two. And he, they went out ministering, preaching the word of God, healing and now they come back and to, they report to Jesus. And so, we will pick it up in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 10. Luke chapter 9, verse 10. And, in fact, um, so Luke chapter 9, verse 10 says, And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to a city called Bethsaida. Okay, so what happened was the twelve returned. Jesus calls them aside and says, okay, let's talk about this experience you had. You all went out two by two ministering and come and let's talk about it. And they are exhausted. And Jesus said, let's go, there's all these multitudes here, let's go to a deserted place, Bethsaida. Now, there were two Bethsaidas. There was one that was in, in, in more near Judah, this was one that was up on the Sea of Galilee, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and they're going to get into boats. And this, is, this feeding now of the 5,000 is the only miracle, the only miracle, other than the accounts of the, the crucifixion and then resurrection, other than the resurrection, the only miracle that is accounted for in all four Gospels. So it, it, it might, might therefore be pretty special. And so if you look in Luke chapter 9, we'll pick it up from verse 11. But the, but the multitudes knew it, and they followed him. And he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came to him and said, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country, and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so, and he made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples and set, set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up. So, again, there, this is accounted for in all four Gospels. And I'm just going to read a little portion from the different Gospels, because each shares a little bit different nuance of something that happened. So what we see from this portion is that the twelve come back, and he took them to a deserted place, but the multitudes followed. And we're going to see from the other Gospels, actually what happened was... The twelve and Jesus got into a few boats and they head out to Bethsaida. It's about three to four miles across the lake from where they were going. The multitudes see them going away in the boats 
and followed them on the land. So the multitudes walked about ten miles to follow them. But you know, it's, it's generally faster walking than it is often going on a boat. And they, the multitudes actually got to Bethsaida before they even got there. And as soon as they got back out of the boats, I mean, the multitudes were there again. It's like, hi, we're here. And they had just left them in order to get away a little bit. But here the multitudes were again. So in Matthew chapter, chapter uh, 14, verse 13, is the, same, is the same story. Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by, the boat, by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Okay. Now I'm going to read a, a, I'm going to read a portion of this out of Mark, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, reading from verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 says, the apostles gathered to Jesus and, he, and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in boats by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before they came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So, so you see that, that in this portion, in Mark chapter 6, it says, for they, there were many coming and going and they didn't even have time to eat. So the twelve just got back from minister. Really intense. I mean, they were healing, they were teaching. They get back, they didn't even have time to eat. There were so many multitudes around. They didn't even have time to eat. They're worn out, they're tired. Jesus says, let's get in the boat and go. And they get in the boat and go, and then the multitudes follow them. And as soon as they get out of the boat, the multitudes are there. Think about this. Have you ever been really tired, and you feel like you've just given enough? It's just enough now. Now, everybody has to go. I just need to get some rest. So when we have people in our home, um, if I want to get rid of them, I will say something to Shireen like, we should let these fine people go and get some rest. You know, so, somehow say it that way. Um, so, so this is what the disciples are saying. And so Jesus said, yeah, I realize you guys haven't eaten. And, and so they go to this deserted place of Bethsaida and all of a sudden there's these multitude there. And in fact, uh, if I had read on in some of these other portions, it says that in several of the Gospels there were 5,000 men. In one of the Gospels it says there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. So in other words, there were probably 10,000 or more. Because it says there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. So it was just numbering the men being around 5,000. Now let's turn to John chapter 6, verse 1. We're going we're gonna to focus in on, on, on this portion in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 1. So this is the fourth of the Gospels speaking about the same event. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. 
which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs and he performed, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Okay, so let me just mention, this is the third of the Passovers that, were, that Jesus, Jesus started his ministry just before a Passover. This is the third of the pa- third of, of, of four Passovers that we're going to see his life through. His ministry was three and a half years. He died on that fourth Passover. So now it is exactly one year before he is going to be crucified. Um, verse 4, John 6, 4. Now the Passover, the feast of Jews, was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them should have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are these among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in numbers about 5,000. And Jesus took loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the signs that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who's come into the world. Okay, so what we see here is that Jesus sees these multitude, and, and as we read in some of the other Gospels, that the disciples say, you know, it's getting kind of late now. You've been teaching, you've been healing. Remember, Jesus now heals out of personal need. Prior to that, he was, he was healing without any, no faith was needed. And he would just heal the multitudes as a demonstration of his messiahship. After the, the uh, uh, unpardonable sin, now he heals based on personal need and based on faith. These people came a long way to get healed. They obviously had faith. There was a personal need. He was healing people. But the disciples are tired. I mean, they had just gone you know, three or four miles across the water and they were tired and hadn't yet eaten before they had left going across the water. And so now it's evening. Jesus had taught them more. He says, they say to him, would you send these wonderful people away? Just let them go into the different villages and get some food. And uh, as if we're looking out for them, <laughs> let them go get some food. And Jesus, it says, you give them something to eat. And it says that Jesus was just testing them, for he knew what he planned to do. Did you know Jesus allows things in our lives just to test us? He knows very well what he's going to do, but he allows things into our lives to test us. And so it says that, that uh, uh, he did that, and so he turns to Philip, and he says, Jesus lifted up his eyes, and this is in verse 5 of Matthew 6, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now why Philip, of all different disciples, to have said this to and, and that's actually revealed to us in, in John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, it tells us where each of the disciples is from. 
And in John chapter 1, verse 44, it says, Now Philip was from Bethsaida. How convenient. So he's asking Philip, Hey, Philip, you know this place. It's deserted, but you're from this city. Tell us, where could we find food for them to eat? But also from that city, it says in John 1, 44, of the city of Andrew and Peter. So Philip was from Bethsaida, as were Andrew and Peter. So he turns to Philip, he says, uh, you know, how are we going to feed these folks? That's why he says, says this to Philip. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now remember, this is 5,000 people plus women and children in a small town. You can't find food for 5,000 people in a deserted place. You go to some parts of Texas today and, you know, you come with a bus to one of these restaurants on the side of the road in rural Texas and that bus will just clean out all the food they have let alone 5,000 plus women and children, 10,000 people just walk up to this place. There's not enough food there. And Philip said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Philip said, you know, we can't even buy bread. There's not even enough bread in this whole city for all these people. But he said this to test them, for he knew what he would do. And then Philip said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. So, you know, Philip, he's a pragmatic guy. 200 denarii, 200 days wage. What's 200 days wage? $25,000 today? $25,000 isn't even enough to feed 10,000 people. And it may not be. Do the calculation of what it costs to feed people. And, and uh, you know, if it's... It, 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 $5 per person, and you have 10,000 pe- people, 200 days wage even today may not be enough to feed that many people for a common laborer's wage. This is a hard thing. Philip says, you know, what are we going to do? You know, we got our little, you know, our money box, but, <laughs> you know, we've got 20 bucks in here. How are we going to feed these people? Because Jesus said, where are we going to buy food? Remember, In one of the other Gospels, the few other Gospels report, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You guys have been out ministering a few weeks. You've been out ministering two by two. You guys are experts now. You give them something to eat. Us? Remember, we're we're just lowly guys. You're the guy who does the miracles? You're the one who knows how to do this? What are you looking at us for? He said, you give them something to eat. And it says, And one of the disciples said, One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are those among so many? So, Andrew, So, Andrew, remember, Andrew and Philip are from this town as well. Maybe he knew one of the kids in the town there. Maybe he knew. But this is just a lad's lunchbox. This is a couple of tuna fish sandwiches. This is all this is. It's not five barley loaves. Five barley loaves, which are little things. These are like like potato chips. And two little fish. This is the kid's lunch. He says, there's a kid over there with five barley loaves and two fish. But Jesus, that's about all we can do. I mean, don't you see what they're doing? What they're putting forth is everything showing Jesus... This isn't going to happen. You know? You, you want to know how much we have? We have five barley loaves and two fish, the kid's lunchbox. 
That's it. That's all the food we've got. And remember, Jesus, we're hungry too. Remember the problem was before we came across the water, we were the ones who were hungry. We hadn't yet eaten and you wanted to take us to rest. And then you take us here and you spend this whole evening now ministering to these people. We're still hungry. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And so Andrew goes, and it says there's this kid with five barley loaves and two fish, but what are those to them? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. So Jesus is saying, okay, that's enough. So Andrew grabs this kid's lunch. Give me that. <laughs> you know, this little kid is probably looking, this is my lunch. You know, Andrew grabs this thing from him. And Jesus said, have them sit down. And the Gospels report that he had them sit down. Jesus had them sit down in groups of 50. One of the Gospels says in groups of 50 and groups of 100. So in other words, 50-50 makes 100. Another group, 50-50, 50-50. Well, why would he do that? Because Jesus knew how to take authority. Jesus knew how to organize things. Remember I told you, if you have a pastor who does not understand administration, nothing works well. Somebody has to know how to stand up and say, pick up chairs and put them in the corner. Then it gets done. But some people are afraid to stand up to say, pick up chairs and put them in the corner. Last night we were at a person's house and there were all these young people and they wanted to take pictures. And the woman in the house was saying, I wish they would go stand over there for everybody so we could take their pictures. And I said, do you want them to stand over there? I can have them stand over there if that's what you want me to do. It's very easy. You just say, all of you young people, stand over there for pictures. Boom, they would go. But you see, many people don't have the sense to do this. This is why they teach you when you're doing CPR, what do you do? You look at somebody and say, you, go call 911. You can't just say, would somebody call 911 because then nobody goes, right? Somebody has to have this gift of administration. Jesus has it. He says, have them sit down in groups of 50. Because what he's planning to do, he's planning to have the disciples start serving them in groups of 50. He's organizing this. Rather than a crazy mass of people just running at them, he says, have them sit on the grass in groups of 50. So these disciples are probably sweating bullets. You want us to have them sit on the grass so we can feed them? Remember, there's no food. There's five barley loaves and two fish. And, you know, these are, these are tough guys. They just walk 10 miles... Some of them got a complaining wife and screaming kids along with them. And these are, you know, these guys are, you know, fishermen and farmers and these these folks work for a living. It's like when we have these functions on campus, we just had it with the Centennial. They have these these, uh, uh, faculty, staff picnics. I don't even like to go. And the reason is... You know, the hardest thing that I do at work is, is reach all the way across and hit the delete key with my pinky. There are guys that, that are doing plumbing all day, that are moving pipes, that are carrying wood, that are planting trees, that are, you know, these guys really work for a living. And when we get to these picnics, these guys are like ravenous. And if I just put my hand in there, it's like it gets ripped off. I mean, these guys really eat. And so I just want to stay back and just let them have their way because they really, you know, deserve their meal. These are tough guys. And Andrew's saying, yeah, just sit down in groups. We'll take care of you. Oh, you're going to feed us? Good. I could eat a horse. Hopefully it was going to be enough. You know, I'm really hungry here. And you know, these 12 are probably... You know what 5,000 men are like? Think of it. 
5,000 men, you've got to feed them. This is huge amounts of food. If you think of how much food has got to come for, say, 10,000 people or more, this is a ton of food has got to be brought in. Literally, a ton of food has to be brought in for these people. And so they're, 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 they're really sweating about it. These people are going to kill us if we tell them we're going to feed them and there's no food. You can't say, psych, <laughs> no food. You can't do this. And so they're being thrust into a position where they think, I could never give to this. This is just going to happen, not going to happen. There's nothing in me that can do this. So they have them sit down in these groups of 50. And then the disciples come back and it says that Jesus prayed. So he has these five barley loaves and two little fish. This is, these aren't, you know, 900 pound blue marlins. These are two little fish. The disciples are probably crowding around Jesus so that nobody could see that there's nothing here. This is all smoke and mirrors. It says Jesus prayed for the food. And if you, you look specifically what, what happens in verse 11 of John 6, he took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. Every one of the Gospels records this the same way. He gave to the disciples, the disciples distributed this to the masses. They're surrounded, Jesus prays, and he starts handing bread. Wow, he's got this arms full of bread. I wonder where all this bread came from. You know, a few fish in his arm. He goes to the first group of 50, and these guys just tear it right out of his hands. And he goes back, and Jesus is handing them out more. So when you've, when you've got groups of 50, and say you have, you have 10,000 people, this, this is a manageable thing for 12 men to be distributing to. Each man takes a, you know, a small number of the 50s, and is carrying this food back and forth, and bringing more and bringing more, and every time they go back to Jesus, there's more. Every time they go back to Jesus, he's handing them more. Where is this coming from? And every time they go back, he hands them more. Okay, it's all done. They go back. There's more. This is this, this principle that Jesus is teaching them. This is the principle that he's teaching them. They go back to Jesus. There's constantly more. And it says, likewise as the fish, as much as they wanted, so when they were all filled. You know what it is to fill a hungry man? I mean, it's like these buffets. You know how much a man can eat if it's free food? All you can eat? That was definitely unusual in that generation. You know, you, you ate what there was. You know, now we're used to just you know, gorging ourselves and all that's there. But these people weren't even used to that. And they were just, as much as they wanted, they brought to them. As much as they wanted. This is the scriptural principle that Jesus is teaching them. You come to me and I will use you to fill others. You come to me and I will use you to fill others. Again and again in Christian life, if you will make yourself available, you will be out of strength. There will be nothing in you to give to other people. And you will say, Lord, there's nothing here. I can't do this. I don't know how to teach this Bible study. This is beyond me. And Jesus said, if you come to me, 
I will fill you and you will feed them. If you come to me, I will fill you and you will feed them. This has been the story of my life. I was always afraid to stand up to even look at people. To look another person in their eye was difficult for me. Let alone standing in front of people. And again and again, I was put in these positions and I would ask Jesus, fill me and help me. Fill me and help me. And he does this. Turn to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. This is a direct, a direct instruction to those who are young. To those who are young and feel that because they are young, they can't do this. Jeremiah chapter 1. You see the calling of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Verse 4, Jeremiah 1, 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. You see what Jeremiah did? He's, God calls him. Jeremiah says, uh, alas, <laughs> you must be speaking to somebody else. I can't do this. I'm just a kid. God says, don't say you're a kid. Because wherever I send you, you're going to go. And whatever I'm going to tell you to speak, you're going to speak. You cannot use the excuse that I'm too young. And remember what I told you, you will never feel old enough. You will always feel too young for the task. Until overnight, you will feel too old. You feel, I, I can't do this. How can I relate to young people? I'm too old. I don't, I don't know what they go through today. You will never feel adequate. You will never feel the right age. Even if it's to your own age group, you'll feel too young. I can't do this. Somebody with more authority has got to speak to these people. God calls and He fills. And then look what He tells Jeremiah in the same chapter. Verse 17. Jeremiah 1.17 Now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city as a pillar of iron and as walls of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah, to the princes, to its priests and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. This is the way the Lord calls. This is the way the Lord calls. Look at specifically what he tells Jeremiah. He says, gird up your loins, pull up your pants, grow up, Pull up your pants, grow up, gird up your loins, arise and speak to them all which I command you. If you constantly try to protect your territory, try to protect yourself from being put in a position of service, you will never grow in your faith. God allows you to be put in positions far beyond what you can handle. And if you will step into it and say, Lord, in service to you, I will do this, He will fill you up. He will fill you to overflowing and He will use you. And you will walk out of there and say, God filled me. There was nothing in me and God filled me. 
to whom much is given, much is expected, he gives and he expects more. Remember what happened to the man who took his gift that was given and just buried it in the ground. Jesus sent that man into utter darkness, into a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. But to those who used the gift that was given to them, he gave them more. And he welcomed them into the joy of his Father. Jesus opens up opportunities for us to step into things. And if we just say, no, I can't do that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I can't do that. Those opportunities will stop coming. And you will sell yourself short and you will accomplish very little for the kingdom of God in life. But if you will step into it and do what you've been called to do, you will accomplish much. The same things happen in your careers. If you're willing to step out and to do things that you don't think you can handle. But if you've been called to do it, to step out into it, you will see a filling. So look, look at what he says in our calling then. He says in, uh, in verse 17, Gird up your loins, arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you before them. If you, will, if you be dismayed before them, God will make you even more dismayed. What happened to the children of Israel? He says that he sent the twelve into the land. And when they came back, they gave an evil report. And he says, he says, they said there were giants in that land. There were giants in that land. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we became in their sight. We were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we became in their sight. In other words, what I think of myself will project myself that very thing. These were Jews going into the land of promise. There were giants in that land. And the, they came out and they looked at themselves as you know, little weaklings. We couldn't do this. And so, they became little weaklings in the eyes of these giants. This same thing happens. Whenever I'm in a situation, and if I have this feeling like, I couldn't do this, I'm just one little guy, how can I do this? For ten years, I went into maximum security prisons, and I would have to walk across this yard. And these men are sitting there talking and you know, saying different things. And if I would look at myself as a nothing, just could be totally destroyed in their eyes, I would be nothing. But I have to look at myself and what God has called me to do, and go in there and stand up and preach to them, and speak to them. And I would take this very portion of Jeremiah before I would walk into the institution, and I would pray this very thing. And God says, if you look at yourself little, you will be viewed little. But if you look at yourself as called as an ambassador of Christ, it is because of Him that I have been drawn into this. Then you go forth bearing His name. But if you look at yourself as being dismayed before them, God will in fact dismay you before them. It's a serious thing. We must walk in faith in what He's called us to. If you keep looking at yourself like, no, I couldn't handle this, you won't be able to handle this. But if you say, by God's grace, I shall do this, you will be able to do it. Then he goes on, he says, Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, and as a wall of bronze against the whole land. Look how he describes Jeremiah. He describes him this way. He says, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, as a wall of bronze. And I would imagine this upon myself. I am a pillar. Pillar of iron. I am a fortified city. I am a wall of bronze. They can't touch me. And I was ready. I mean, ready. You will be called into things in life where you feel wholly inadequate. 
And you go back to Jesus and He will fill you. And you will feed others. He makes us strong. It is in Him we are strong. Remember, here's a guy who two seconds earlier was saying, I'm just a kid. You've got to be speaking to the wrong guy. I can't speak like this. I can't do this. God said, I have made you today a fortified city, a pillar of iron, and a wall of bronze. Remember once there was a whole group of these, these prison inmates in this maximum security prison, and I had to stand up and speak before them. And, you know, they, all this mumbling and chattering and stuff. And I remember looking at this verse and saying, I am a pillar of iron. I'm a fortified city. And it just, boom. I mean, the Holy Spirit comes and He blows them away. He blows them away. One day I had the, the first Bible study I taught to the Houston Astros. My son wanted to come with me. Josiah, he was about 14 or 15 at the time. I said, why do you want to come with me? You've never wanted to come with me to a Bible study before. He said, Dad, please let me come. I said, you get good clothes on and do exactly as I say and you can come. I said, what's going to happen is I'm going to start preaching to these guys and the Holy Spirit is going to fall and they're going to start dropping to their knees and when you see that, you fall on your knees, I'll get down on mine and you'll see men start repenting. And that day, I started speaking and it was just this room of the Houston Astros, <laughs> the Holy Spirit started to fall. And the men started to fall on their knees and started repenting. And so Josiah went down on his knees. I went down on my knees. When we walked out of there, Josiah said, Dad, how did you do that? <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit descends upon a place, God does amazing things. God does amazing things. This is what he said. He said to and, you know, who am I compared to the Houston Astros? I mean, these are big guys. I mean, the forearms are like two of my arms put together. It's their forearms. You know, who am I? What am I? I'm just a little professor, teacher of chemistry. I mean, these are real men. I mean, they swing bats around for a living. and get paid $100 million to do it. But God fills. God is the one who does this. God is the one. It is not you who stands before them. It is God. God. And, and so what he says, he says, as a pillar, as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, as a wall of bronze, against the whole land, to the kings of Judah, to the princes, to the priests, and to the people of the land. Not just to a bunch of lonely, lowly peasants. You're going to be my witness to the king of Judah. To the princes. You know what it's like, the princes, how cocky these guys are? Yeah, have you killed in an instant? And to the priests, you know the religious people, how hard they are? What do I know? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a philosopher. What do I know? He says, you go and you speak. You go and you speak. I'll fill you with my power. This is what he says. And to everyone else in the land, you're going to be filled. There is no bound that God will take you, that God can't fill you and use you before a group of people. They will fight against you, but you will not overcome them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And this same thing happens in your career. I remember I was, I was speaking at a, at a meeting, at a chemical society meeting, and I had just before me was speaking a very famous guy. His name was George Whitesides from Harvard. He's the biggest kingpin. And, and uh, does somebody know him? You know him. 
Oh, okay. So he was speaking. So he was speaking just before me, and then I had to get up, and he just moved to the back of this big auditorium and was just talking to people. I mean, why this little why is he going to listen to this little assistant professor's talk? But I had prayed. I had prayed that God would fill me and that people would get hit by the power of the Holy Spirit, even in this chemistry lecture. And as I was speaking, I saw he was talking to somebody. He stopped. And he started looking at me as I was speaking. And he started walking down the aisle, came about halfway down on an end and sat right there on the end and listened to the rest of my lecture. Then after that lecture, he invited me to do my sabbatical in his laboratory. And I did. God fills, even in your careers, there will be things that you feel you cannot do and God will fill. You know, this week, uh, Shreen and I are going to Georgia Tech on Thursday and speaking, Lord willing, in the Veritas Forum there. Who am I? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a philosopher. I don't know about, you know, Kant and all this philosophy and that philosophy. But the topic is nanotech and Jesus. And that I can talk about. <laughs> I know God will fill. I know God will will anoint. I know that He will take care of it. So I pray for the filling of the power of the Holy Spirit. God will place you. When you have these little opportunities to teach a little Bible study, grab it. Say, Lord, let me do this. I don't know anything about this, but I'll study it, and I'll learn it, and I'll go in and teach it. You use these opportunities, and God will fill you more and more, and use you more and more in your life. If you will but open up your heart, you will go back to Jesus and He will give you bread enough to fill these people. These people will be like, wow, that was great. That was just great. I mean, these guys are just, you know, what happens when these men eat a lot? They just calm down and they sit back and their bellies are so big, they can't even get up and move. You know, and they're just going to sleep right there that night. Then the disciples are free to go off with Jesus and they had 12 baskets full. One basket for each guy. Each one of them had a basket of food for themselves. You go and you fill others, and you too will be filled to overflowing. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the truth of God, which you fill us. You fill us, you empower us. Thank you, my Father. Father, I pray for these young people that you would so get a hold of their hearts, so get a hold of their hearts, that they would long to be able to extract from you the blessings that come to be able to give to others. Father, let them learn what it means to be a fortified city, a pillar of iron and a wall of bronze. Father, I pray that you would cast them into positions where they would have to cry out to you for help and so they could see that they could be used as vessels to feed others. Father, you know what you're doing. You know what you're going to do to test them. Father, may they pass the test. May they learn to extract from you great blessings so that they can so fill others. Father, get a hold of their hearts. Use them mightily in their lives, I pray. And have mercy on them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.